Lord, it might seem repetitive to finish a prayer and go back to praying, but may we be a people of prayer. May we be a people that seeks your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. May we be a people that knows that when we pray, you are at work. Lord, we pray for our world in what seems an utter chaos. Lord, we know that you are in control, but sometimes it's hard to remember that you are in control. Lord, we pray that you destroy this virus. But Lord, that is not all that is happening in this world. We pray for the church, for the establishment of the gospel. We pray for the Shibes in Northern Ireland. We pray that you bless the work of their hands. We pray for Alan Cochet in France as he's building up your church and raising new gospel-centered pastors to go in to their own country and preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We thank you for Jill Howard and her work in China. Lord, we pray for our country. We pray for our president. May you give him wisdom. May he lead with justice and mercy. We pray for the elected officials of our own state. Lord, may they stand for goodness and kindness. You are in control of all things. And Lord, specifically today, we pray for the unity of the church of Jesus Christ. May we stand united together because we are united to Christ. We pray for our health and our safety of our own members. Lord, may none of us feel the effects of this virus. Lord, we lift up Matt Edwards and his family this morning as his father Gordon passed away. May you give them comfort. May we act as the body of Christ and love them well. Lord, we pray for Hayes Laughlin, the friends of the Gantz. He is diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. Be with his family. Be with his doctors. Lord, we pray for Tim Keller, a pastor in our own denomination who is being diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Lord, we pray that you heal him. We pray that you protect him and his wife, Kathy. Lord, use us that we might be lights for the gospel in our own community. We pray for our children in this time who don't quite understand what's going on. But may we as your church root them in the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching them of the hope of the glory that is to come in the new heavens and the new earth. And may all glory be to Christ.
Amen. If you will turn your Bibles, if you have them, or just look in your bulletin at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. There is a new TV show on Fox called Lego Masters. And it's a competition show between 10 teams of two people. And as you might guess with the name Lego Masters, they build things with Legos. These teams of two are as as different as you could imagine. But each one of them has something in common. They love building with Legos. And if you're not familiar with the Lego world, a Lego block is actually called a brick. So a block is a brick. And in this competition, there are two judges who are called Brick Masters. They are world-renowned for their brick building. They are Lego aficionados. And they are judges of these 10 teams, and they tell these teams what is a good build and what is not. And these judges have three criteria for these masterpieces that these teams are building. They are judged on creativity. How good is their imagination with the bricks? What can they create that impresses the two judges? And then they will also be judged on their technical ability. How do they take these unique bricks and create something? How do they get all the different bricks to form together to create a single masterpiece? And they're also judged on their storytelling. How do they bring the bricks to life? How do they take each individual brick in this masterpiece and tell a story where they're not looking at just individual bricks. They're looking at a completed whole together. These teams have over 30,000 Lego bricks to choose from. Now, if you build with Legos in my house, bricks are used for three things. Weapons, booby traps, and landmines. They lurk underneath things that, bear, that destroy bare feet. But these Lego masters have one job. To make a masterpiece using their imagination, their technical ability, and their ability to tell a story. And sometimes the stories consist of, well, we took this unique brick and put it in to this story that we're telling. But that individual brick always speaks of the masterpiece. The goal of a Lego master is to have a finished and final product. And I want us to remember this metaphor of brick building. As it so happens, John preached last week from Ephesians 2, talking about how God is building the church together on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It's as if God is the master brick builder. He takes individual people and joins them together. And however great their individual stories are, 
They are built together to tell a story of God's redemption in Christ. They are used individually to focus us on Jesus. And when we come to Ephesians, we see Paul powerfully teaching the church at Ephesus what the body of Christ looks like. They are the church And God is using them for something bigger than themselves. And to set the stage for Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, we must understand the context of what Paul is teaching. Because in Ephesians 4, verses 1, we see a therefore. As I always say, we we must ask every time you see a therefore, what is a therefore? Therefore. Paul has moved from chapter 1, where he has explained God's, the Father's, creative plan of redemption for the church in Jesus Christ. He has chosen us. He has united us to Christ. We are made to look like Him, holy and blameless, according to the purpose and the plan of the Father's will. It is through the blood of Jesus Christ that we are redeemed. It is God who has taken us out of the realm of darkness and brought us into the realm of light. He has taken us from the old Adam and united us to the new Adam, Jesus Christ. The Holy Trinity is working together for the good of the church. It is Christ, God the Father, is, not has built his church, is building his church into a new humanity through the preaching of the gospel of peace. He is creating a new Man, We are fellow citizens together, brought out of the reign of Satan and into Jesus' rule over all things. Students that in our youth group, we have just studied through Philippians, and we spoke about this, and Paul speaks about this in Philippians 2. Paul picks up the same language in Philippians 2. He says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And we discussed how this phrase is very odd for Paul. And it can actually be translated, let your citizenship be worthy of the gospel of Christ. We are citizens under the reign of God in Christ. We have been adopted as sons and daughters, members of the household of God. And this is exactly what John preached on last week. The church is being built together by the Spirit of Christ on the person, brick by brick, on Jesus Christ. The Old Testament imagery of the tent of meeting, of the tabernacle, of the temple, and of the new temple that Isaiah and Ezekiel and Zechariah speak of, all speak of when God will reign with us. But as we see in Ephesians 4, God is no longer just reigning with us. He is reigning through us and living in 
us. And this is the mystery of the gospel. God has taken a people, Israel, and a people, Gentiles, and brought them together and united them into Christ, a new humanity. He is taking different ethnic people, distinct in every way, those who had the covenants and those who didn't, those who knew God and those who didn't, those who were close to God and those who were far off. And the purpose of Ephesians 4 is to tell this new people how they are to live. And he instructs them. Therefore, he says, you shall walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. If everything that Paul has said in Ephesians 1 through 3 is true, then in chapter 4 we get to the part where Paul tells the church, if this is true, this is what you must do. Those in Ephesus have been called, and because of their calling, Paul tells them three things. He tells them what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to do it, and why they're supposed to do it. What, how, and why? What is the church supposed to do? Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. This metaphor for walking is used throughout Paul's letters to refer to a total transformation of a person's life. Hence, the NIV translates this, this phrase, to live. In the majority of its occurrences, it is speaking of how God's people move from the realm of darkness into the realm of life and light united to Christ. This is their holy calling by God, the Trinity, three in one. You have been called to what? To reflect Christ, the head of the body. And this is exactly where Paul goes in Ephesians 5. Yet later in chapter 4, Paul says, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. The church is no longer able to walk according to their old way of life because Christ is making them new in Christ. Just as Moses said in Deuteronomy 10, we are no longer to walk in our ways. We are to walk in his ways, serving him to the praise of his glory. This is the what. This is what we are supposed to do. But Paul doesn't just tell us what. He also tells us how we are supposed to do it. In verse 2, with all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul urges them to maintain the bond of peace to what we have together in Christ by four things, humility, gentleness, patience, and love. Almost every commentator I read speaking of this verse asked the reader to reflect what would the church look like if these four things described the church? Look at the picture 
of what the church might look like, what the church should look like. Think about how our church, Christ Presbyterian Church, could reflect Jesus if these were the qualities that people saw in us. Think of the life that we would walk if we were patient and gentle and humble and loving. And not only with one another, but with the world around us. Think about how we could impact Fayette County if these were the qualities that people noticed about us. Think about the church, universal, what it would look like if they were known for their humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with people in love in every situation. And do you see what these four things drive us to? They drive us to Jesus who is the humble one, who is the gentle one, who is love. This is what we have been called to. This is what every church is called to. This is what the world is longing to see. Jesus. We have been called to reflect Jesus. And this is the how. Now let's see the why. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. The why. Why are you here this morning? And I'm not asking an existential question. Literally, why are you in this room? It is not because anything that you have done. Every one of us are in this room this morning by the grace of God. We are all here because God has called us from the realm of darkness into the realm of light. It is We are all here because God has blessed us in the Son, Jesus Christ. We are here because God has made us sons and daughters through adoption. We are here because God has forgiven us our trespasses by the blood of Christ. We are here because God has shown us humility, gentleness, love. By grace we have been saved. Those in the church have realized we need a Savior by God's grace. The elect are convinced of our sin and have repented of our sin. The redeemed have submitted and committed their life by divine grace to Jesus. We have all been joined together into one body. We have all received the same Spirit. We all have one Lord, Jesus Christ. We have all received the same baptism. We all have one God and Father who is over us, working through us, and is inside of us. 
God is not the Father relationally to the world. It is only the church by the power of the Spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. And you have been called to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Those who are the church being built together brick by brick are the ones that strive for unity because we know the one God, Holy Trinity, has brought us together in Christ. Yet our calling is not only to hear the gospel and come together in this building and stand side by side. No, Paul has explained that the divine plan of God from the foundation of the world, of his church, has been to reflect Jesus, to bring those who are far off, like we once were, into the church. We have been called by God to show the world to whom and by whom we have been called and point them to Jesus by reflecting Jesus. He is the humble one. If we come to him and yield our own agendas, our own preferences, our own soapboxes, our politics, even our families, to be so united to Christ, we are being created into a new organism. Then we will walk in a manner worthy of our calling. The gospel is never, how can God make my old life better? The gospel is always, how am I being made new in Christ? And the spirit of unity is under attack. We cannot, as the church of Jesus Christ, allow what makes each brick different separate us. And that's exactly what Satan wants us to think. That what makes us different should separate us. But what we see in the narrative of Scripture is that Jesus takes what makes us different and it strengthens us. Let us begin to reflect our Savior by the way we live, by the way that we speak to one another, face-to-face, and heaven forbid, even on social media. Let us walk in a worthy, in a manner worthy of Jesus so that the world can see God the Father creating a new humanity in Him. Let us begin to reveal to those in Fayette County the chosen one, Jesus Christ, so that they may come near and bow a knee and cry out, Abba, Father. The gospel does not call us to put on blinders to the world around us. The gospel calls us to go into the world and proclaim Christ. The gospel enables us to go into the world and bring those who are outside in by the grace of God. We have been called, and every other church that bears the name of Jesus has been called to be united into the one body through humility and gentleness with patience. 
bearing with one another in love. In Lego Masters, one of the great things that you see with all these different masterpieces is that these masterpieces reveal something about the builder. The different contestants are different, and their creations reflect them. And throughout the narrative of Scripture and what we see in the New Testament is that the new creation reflects the builder. God the Father is the brick master. He is the master builder, building up his church in Jesus Christ. And however important our individual bricks might be, each brick tell the grand story of the masterpiece. They reveal to the world who the Father is. He is drawing people from far off and near. Every tongue, tribe, and nation, every skin color, every political party, every world philosophy, different ethnicities, different traditions, different cultures, Tennessee volunteers, Old Miss rebels, Memphis Tigers, and heaven forbid, Arkansas Razorbacks. And he is creating a new humanity in Christ. And God is building us together. And Satan is trying to destroy it. We need one another to remind each other how we got here so that we praise the name of God. And if you don't think you need the church, Satan is beginning to win because he wants to drive a wedge between us. But we have been put together person by person, by the master builder, God the Father. And we are to tell his story. We are to reflect him. That is our calling. Amen.